Once again, wishing you a happy holidays and welcome into the NFL on Fox podcast presented by Verizon. Yes, we are back. We had three whole games on Christmas Day to get to. We didn't want to leave you hanging on any of the NFL action. And let's just jump right into it. My Christmas dreams for a thrilling finale were dashed. The Baltimore Ravens jump all over the San Francisco 49ers. The much-anticipated game of the week of the century of the whatever. The two best teams in the league. The number one seeds in each conference did not play out that way. The Baltimore Ravens roll over the mighty 49ers by a score of 33-19. to I guess I shouldn't be surprised because it's been a theme for the year. Whenever these heavyweights get together, it almost always winds up being a laugher. And that's what happens here. The Ravens go out to Levi's Stadium. They crush the Niners. They more than likely kill Brock Purdy's MVP candidacy. The second-year quarterback throws four interceptions, no touchdowns. And really, from the end of the second quarter on, that's where you felt the shift. This was a back-and-forth, fairly defensive-heavy game through the first half. The Niners go down and score a touchdown. Christian McCaffrey rushes it in on a hell of an effort to make it a 13-12 game. A little bit to play until halftime. Credit to the Raiders, Lamar Jackson, or Raiders, Ravens. We'll get to the Raiders later, the early Christmas game. Big win for them. The Ravens go down. They take a 16-12 to halftime lead with a nice field goal. And right at the start of the third quarter, that's when things go wonky. The Niners go three and out. Quick Ravens touchdown drives makes it 23-12. The wheels starting to come off this Niners team, maybe not built to play from behind. It's just a challenge of finding a team that can get in front of them. After the Ravens go up 23-12, Brock Purdy throws a crucial pick to Patrick Queen. The Ravens immediately capitalize in the red zone and make it 30-12. And really, with 12 minutes to play in the third quarter, we knew where this was going. That's how quickly this Ravens defense can make it get out of hand. And really... If you think back a little bit, it's been a trend for this Baltimore team. They did it to Detroit. They did it to Seattle. They've managed to play these types of dominant games. I just, I did not expect to see it against the 49ers. The Ravens officially, they said it. They said they felt disrespected being a five and a half point underdog on the road. They sure as hell played like it. They are officially the hottest team in the league. Looks like they're going to be the number one seed in the AFC. Although... Setting up yet another big one. The Miami Dolphins coming off their big win against Dallas. Go up to Baltimore, a game that could settle for once in all the AFC top seed. The Ravens can basically lock it up if they would get a win. Lamar Jackson, officially the MVP frontrunner. All of the all of the, the sports books are already pegging him as the favorite. Almost feels like something you don't want to be. We'll see if Lamar Jackson can fare better than Brock Purdy. Dak Prescott, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen. Being the front runner hasn't been a fun place to be this season, but the way the Ravens' defense is playing, giving the Ravens opportunity after opportunity, maybe they can buck that trend. This is certainly a hell of an impressive win. And and for being 12-3, and three, it's never truly felt like the Ravens were getting their due. And, and that's even with several impressive wins. Maybe it's because of some of their late game collapses, some head scratching losses, really all three of their losses. Very, very weird. You could argue they were losses that shouldn't have happened. Maybe that's what's had the Ravens kind of hiding in the shadows. But 
Christmas night with the whole league watching you do this. I think it's fair to say Baltimore's front and center. They can really cement the number one seed in the AFC next week. They look like the team to beat in the entire NFL. So they, it was the Dolphins on Sunday. And now on Monday, the Ravens, the undisputed winners of week 16, and they get to play each other in week 17. It seems like it works out that way more often than not. That should be really fun. So congrats to the Ravens on the, the crowning win of the week. But in the wreckage of this Niners loss, I think it, there there's plenty of interesting takeaways that you can come up with, whether that's looking at where they go from here. A couple noteworthy injuries coming out of this game. Brock Purdy himself exited the game. You can examine Brock Purdy's MVP case and where that went wrong. And I'm sure... If you're a 49ers fan, probably feeling a little bit uneasy knowing how so many of these promising seasons have ended short of the ultimate goal. So we can get into all of that, and who better to do it with than our NFC West writer, Eric Williams, who joins me now to break down the Niners' side of this. All right, Eric, the Baltimore Ravens go up to the Bay and beat down the San Francisco 49ers, and I mean... With everybody healthy and available, at least at least for the start of this game, we can we can get to Brock Purdy and Trent Williams exiting. But from the get go, the Niners had all their guys available. I I hate to say that the Ravens figured them out, but after some early success, it kind of felt like that's what happened. What did you think about the way this Ravens defense was really able to put the clamps on San Francisco as this game went along? Yeah, fast and physical. Uh, that they pursued the ball well really got after Purdy and made him uncomfortable, uh, created a cloudy picture post-snap and, and, and seemed to kind of confuse Purdy a little bit. Um, and we've seen this earlier in the season during their three-game losing streak. When the Niners are down, Purdy seems to press a little bit and tries to make a little bit too much stuff happen and, and then just, you know, is, is reckless with the football. You know, four interceptions, uh, in their four losses this this season, he has ten turnovers. In their eleven wins, he has two turnovers. To me, that's kind of the the story with the 49ers. You know, when they get down a little bit, I feel like Purdy tries to play like an MVP instead of just you know the system quarterback or game manager or just really executing the offense like like he needs to. Uh, you know, tries to make twenty one point you know throws instead of just you know taking the easy throws. And, and just maybe taking the sack or throwing the ball away uh, instead of putting the ball in harm's way and making it harder on his team to kind of get out of these tough situations. This is one of my it's one of my pet peeves in football, to be honest, is I think the the talking point coming out of this is going to be something along the lines of like the Ravens put the blueprint out there for how to deal with the 49ers. And the problem with that is that the Ravens are one of the most dominant teams in the league. I mean, this is clearly uh, an incredibly talented roster. They're top of the AFC for a reason. So mm -hmm. I understand not everybody can do this to San Francisco, right. but how do you think it must make Kyle Shanahan feel to know there are at least a handful of teams in the NFL that can do this to you? And yeah, I mean, if if the Niners manage to get off script and, and they're trying to work their way back in a game that they're not dictating, mm -hmm. it's got to be a little bit concerning to see Brock Purdy turn into this when, when the other team is able to call the shots the way the Ravens were able to do. No doubt. And I think part of it is Shanahan. He kind of gets away from the bread and butter, which is running the football. I think they threw it what five times early on when they were having some success with McCaffrey running it 
and and to kind of put again all that weight on your quarterback to carry the offense when you have you know perhaps the best running back in the league uh maybe hand the ball off to McCaffrey a little bit more uh to try to ease the pressure off your quarterback but you're right uh you know when if they, they're going to be in situations where they're going to have to come back and, and and are they going to be able to do that I mean they haven't really proven that this season it's going to happen in the postseason I would imagine and and how are they going to react uh, right now it, it it doesn't bode well for their chances of, in of coming back in those situations because of how they've played uh, during the season in those situations it's funny the way the Ravens big games have kind of followed similar scripts just in the sense of like if you if you look at the box score nothing really jumps out at you you know like they they had an all right night running the ball Lamar Jackson was definitely good but you can't point to one thing and say oh that's how they beat you and yet you look up at the scoreboard at the end of this thing and they've got more than 30 points and and their opposition has less than 20 a team with this much talent and as much things as they do well what if anything in particular stood out to you about what they did to really dominate this uh this game it's kind of old school afc north football they own the line of scrimmage on both sides of the of the ball they they don't do anything to beat themselves i mean they they created four turnovers and scored 17 points off those turnovers uh they're very good in the kicking game and in terms of you know creating um you know what am i looking for um, creating opportunities in terms of field position. Uh, you know, they, they don't lose the battle of field position. And then they have one of the best coaches in the NFL and John Harbaugh. And again, just kind of limiting mistakes. Uh, I thought Lamar Jackson did a great job of kind of taking what was, was there. If he didn't have anything down the field, he scrambled, he used his feet uh, either to, to get plays running it or to create plays outside of the pocket and, and create chunk plays. Uh, and then defensively, I just think they're sound at, at all three levels, whether it's getting after the passer. They're really good on the second level, which I think is is important when you're playing a team like San Francisco. And then obviously they're pretty good in the back end defensively in, in creating the turnovers. It's so amazing the way they're just they're so flexible defensively. You know, mm-hmm. Kyle Hamilton can just as easily get a big pick at the beginning of this game as he contributes to the pass rush. Roquan Smith seemed like he was very active as both a, a pass rusher and a linebacker, as well as Patrick Queen, who had a big interception. I mean, just the different ways they can confuse a quarterback with even, you know, a young quarterback like Brock Purdy, even as much as he's seen and done. I like you said earlier, I think I have to imagine um, the way that they can just throw these multiple different looks at you. It, it seemed like it was a handful for him. And then not only that, David, they get guys on the ground defensively. You know, I think when you watch teams like Seattle play San Francisco, a lot of missed tackles. And I think with the Ravens, the, their ability to get you on the ground in space is is unique. And and like you said, in terms of blueprint, yeah, maybe other teams will try to do that. But like, do they have the personnel that can can execute it? And I think most teams. Uh, don't have the personnel like the Ravens to really execute what they want to accomplish at, on all three levels of their defense. Mentioned this at the top, Brock Purdy left this game late when it, I mean, it, basically out of hand at that point. Sounds like he's got a stinger. And then Trent Williams also exits this game. He was, it looked like he was trying to get back in and the 49ers were saying, hey, let's maybe wait and fight another day. 
and I know, you know, it's a little early. We're, we're recording this right after the game to speculate about the severity of these injuries. But if anything, is it just a, a reminder of that anxiety with the 49ers that, look, you got you got a lot of guys that you're trying to keep healthy if you're going to put this run together? No, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago is you want to see these guys with with all their 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 personnel in the postseason. You mentioned it, Trent Williams growing his backup, Jalen Moore concussion. He was out there down to their their third tackle. They actually moved Colton McShivitz over from right tackle to left tackle. And oh, by the way, Aaron Banks did not finish the game. He had a toe injury at guard. And so that's not great, you know, in terms of having those injuries along the offensive line in terms of where this team wants to go. Now they they get the the commanders next week. That's kind of the soothing balm that you're looking for if you're the 49ers. Uh, and then you finish off with the Rams, which I think is going to be a tough game. They Still, everything's ahead of them that they, they want to accomplish. If they win the last two games, I believe they'll be the number one seed and get the bye. Uh, but it's not a given that you're going to go on the road and beat the commanders and not a given that you're going to you know, beat the Rams at home. That's and I mean, I guess that's my big question for San Francisco now. And with a team with this many veterans, I have a hard time seeing it. But you do wonder about maybe this game beating you twice with I mean, like I said, there, there's so much veteran star power on this team. It doesn't seem like it should be a concern. Uh, but with the amount of praise we've been heaping on the 49ers here over the last six weeks, do you worry about that at all? I think you worry about it a little bit because of who's your quarterback. You know, you're talking about a second-year pro, Mr. Irrelevant. He's had an amazing season, has played in a lot of big games already, including last year as a rookie. But it could affect your confidence when you go out and throw four picks like that. So it's going to be important that Shanahan kind of get his confidence going again as long as he's fully healthy uh, against the commanders and, you know, want to play well in that final uh, regular season game against the Rams going into the postseason. So, you know, you kind of – are able to kind of wash these these interceptions out of your head a little bit, I guess. That's one last thing. I'm glad you brought that up. I guess we should mention it. Last time I had you on, I was right there with you. I said, if, if Brock Purdy keeps stringing these performances together, I don't know how you argue against him for NFL MVP, but mm -hmm. to have this performance on Christmas night, the whole league's watching, everybody wants to see what you're about. Yeah. I get that there's two weeks left and, you know, you don't want to be a prisoner of the moment. But with all of the people that were already doubting Brock Purdy's credentials, this feels like a game that's that's hard to overcome if he's going to if he's going to pull that off. Is that I, I'm not am I being premature by saying that? I don't think I am. No, I think you're being fair. I mean, I think the people that were already doubting him were just basically saying, I told you so with the way that he played. And then the the, the Brock Purdy uh, cheerleaders are like, yeah, you, you really can't overlook this game because of the, the 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 game itself. You know, national televised game. It's a game that everybody was kind of waiting to watch. You know, you've seen Lamar Jackson and Purdy kind of you know playing against each other. Obviously, they're not facing each other, but you know, playing on the same field. One person looked like an MVP performer in Lamar Jackson. Another person looked like. Mr. Irrelevant, unfortunately, that's kind of the way he played, you know, that he played like his draft status. So, again, I just think, you know, I think MVP, in my opinion, is out of the picture. I think, you know, Lamar kind of put his stamp on that trophy with the way that he played. And if you're the Niners, you're not concerned about that. You're more concerned about getting him, you know, playing efficient football going in the postseason these next two games.
Yeah, I hate that. I hate that blessing in disguise stuff. It kind of it sounds like a, a loser's excuse of like, oh, well, maybe this is a good thing to refocus us. But right. if if you're the 49ers, if you're a 49er fan, that's probably what I'm clinging to right now is like, all right, let's let's get this MVP noise out of here. Let's calm the hype down and just focus on finishing this season as strongly as possible and seeing what happens in the postseason. I don't think a whole lot less of the Niners. I, I mean, I think. There's really only a couple teams left in the league at this point that haven't had a night like this where they just kind of got their asses kicked. And actually, the Baltimore Ravens are one of them. So they are they're the team of the moment. I I agree with you. I think Lamar Jackson made his MVP case tonight, but I can't help but think that that being in that conversation has gone poorly for quite a few guys here over the last month. So big opportunity for the Ravens against Miami next week. Yeah. We will uh we'll see what they do with it and and we'll absolutely see how the 49ers regroup. Eric, I I can't tell you how much I appreciate taking the time on Christmas, man. Always love chatting with you and uh and we'll be sure to check in soon. Sounds good. Appreciate you. Have a good one and uh, happy holidays. The Niners loss also opens the NFC field just a little bit. A week ago at this time, it felt like the 49ers had the NFC on lockdown. I would still say that they're the favorites to be the number one seed in the NFC, but all of a sudden you got three 11 and four teams sitting on top of the conference, one slip, and you could see a different team in the number one spot. Maybe that could be the Philadelphia Eagles, who after a tumultuous three weeks, Get back in the win column. They beat the division rival New York Giants by a score of 33-25. And stop me if you've heard this before. The Eagles played well enough to win. They piled up plenty of yardage. They won by eight points, so they win by, by a full touchdown. And yet, they leave something lacking. I think that's, that is the theme for the day. It's really, let's be honest. It's the theme for the Eagles season. I guess beggars can't be choosers. They had been on a three game losing streak. It felt like their season was slipping away. So credit to them on the holiday. They got right. They got the win, but I don't know, man, you, you tell me how the Eagles should feel about this. A two touchdown home favorite. It looked briefly like the Eagles were going to, take care of business they were up 20 to 3 at halftime and it just felt like they forgot that they had to play the second half of this game ugly performance jalen hurts opened the door for the new york giants to get back into this game a brutal pick six really let control of this thing slip away 76 yards dory jackson at the end of the third quarter eagles were driving to make it 27 to 10 and maybe know-it-alls like me wouldn't be criticizing them if they win by 17 to 20 points which is what i expected them to do no way we're doing this but dory jackson goes to the house giants pick up the two-point conversion all of a sudden it's 20 to 18 and yeah eagles wind up winning this thing by eight points but it's such a frustrating theme for their season you realize this team has, they have 11 wins. They're tied for the best record in the NFC. And depending on how this plays out, they got the Cardinals. They got a rematch with the Giants. It's very, very possible. I would even say likely they finish the season 13 and four. Maybe they get the number one seed and a week off. But do you realize their 11 wins have come by an average of seven points? This isn't this isn't a team, you know, we, we talk about the Ravens, we talk about the Niners, the teams at the top of these standings. Typically, you can count on them to roll over overmatched opponents. And that's what the Giants are, by the way. 
New York benched Tommy DeVito, the undrafted success story. The fairy tale looked like it came to an end on Sunday afternoon. Terod Taylor replaced him in the lineup. Giants are not a good team. They haven't been. They, I mean, they had a nice run. It was fun. The Eagles put up 465 yards. This is not a team that you have any business sweating out a win against. Eagles only have three wins by more than a touchdown this year. And the last time they did that, it's all the, all the way back on Halloween when they played what I would call their best game of the season against the Miami Dolphins. It's just been nail-biting all year long. And can't take too much credit away from them. They have 11 wins. But if you wanted to feel faith in this team, you'd like to see them make it look a little bit easier, especially against now a Giants team that has 10 losses. The Giants have have gotten blown out by plenty of strong teams, whether you want to talk about the Niners did it to them, the Cowboys did it to them a couple of times, the Giants honestly just lost in convincing fashion to the New Orleans Saints a week ago. This should have been a less stressful Christmas day for Eagles fans. And that's why I think even in a win, even knowing that the bye week is out there in front of you, maybe this just doesn't feel all that inspiring. Jalen Hurts, 13 interceptions on the season. I still feel like sometimes it for, it seems like the Eagles forget that they have a rushing attack sometimes. They get the win. I can quibble about it all day. And if you're an Eagles fan, I know you agree with me, but... We've seen plenty of circumstances before where what you see here at the end of the season isn't necessarily how the script plays out in the playoffs. Maybe there's still hope for the Eagles. Maybe securing the number one seed against all odds, getting a crucial week off. Maybe that could be what the doctor ordered. It doesn't look great right now. There's still plenty of time for that to turn around, as our own Joe Davis pointed out right after the game. Well, coming in with a three-game losing streak, a three-game losing streak is not a death sentence for a team. Just look at the 49ers, who everybody consider the best team in the NFL. They lost three in a row earlier this season. They're doing just fine now. Three of the last four champions have had losing streaks similar to the one that the Eagles just broke today. So it's not that they're done because they lost three in a row. They win today. It still didn't look great, and so the concerns probably continue for Eagles fans, and with what they have over the final couple weeks, they're going to play these Giants again to finish after they play a Cardinals team that's not very good next week. You're probably not going to have a lot of people convinced that the Eagles are where they need to be, even if they do win out. Of course, it's all going to come down to the postseason, and if you remember back to last year for the Eagles, they lost a couple games late. They almost lost uh, the final week of the season, even though the Giants were hardly playing anybody and they still made it to the Super Bowl. So you make a lot about everything that happens every week in the NFL, some of it for good reasons, some of it will be overblown. We won't really know, though, until uh, until we get to the end of this whole thing in a couple months. One thing I'll say for the Eagles is that the flashes are there offensively. I mean, again, 33 points. We're quibbling about a team that put up 465 yards. Jalen Hurts, far too many questionable decisions, but the ability to get yardage plays touchdowns, all of that, it's still there. One thing I think, if the Eagles are going to turn their fortunes around, focus on the defense. Rough day from the Philadelphia defense, particularly the secondary. 69-yard touchdown to Darius Slayton was a backbreaker after Terod Taylor entered the game. The stats aren't gaudy. The Giants didn't have an amazing day, but considering what they're working with, considering what they've done this season, it's just another reminder that there is not enough going on with the Philadelphia defense. That's why Sean Desai was demoted in favor of Matt Patricia. And I will offer 
some some semblance of optimism if you're a Philadelphia fan. Maybe you can lean on the hope of reinforcements. The Eagles opened Avante Maddox's practice window this week. He didn't play in this game, but trending toward being available for the playoffs. Same thing for Darius Slay, hoping he can return from that minor surgery in time to play a significant role in the postseason. Maybe you get those two guys back in your secondary. This thing looks a little bit different. Even with all their mistakes, the Eagles offense is good enough to win them plenty of football games. If you can just pick it up on the defensive side, maybe we'll start to feel better about this team, which has got to be the most frustrating team, the most frustrating 11-win team I have ever watched. But first place in the division, tied for the lead, for the number one seed, I guess there's worse places to be than very stressed out with 11 wins. We'll see if the Eagles can change the mojo here heading into the postseason with two games left. But let's wrap up week 16 with the first game of Christmas Day, the early game, the shocking game. The Las Vegas Raiders go to Arrowhead and get a huge win against the Kansas City Chiefs by a score of 20 to 14. There's a million different places places I could go with this. Just the Raiders' second ever win against Patrick Mahomes. Ironically, both of them happening on the road at Arrowhead Stadium. It's Patrick Mahomes' first loss to a rookie quarterback, Aiden O'Connell. Gets the big win against the reigning MVP. Obviously, if you watch the game, you know O'Connell was kind of a passenger for the entire second half of this car ride. Real proof that all it need, all you need is like a flash of brilliance and it can win you a football game. I wouldn't call the Raiders offensive performance inspired in this game, but in the course of seven seconds just before halftime, they get all they need to propel them to a victory. Starts off with an eight-yard fumble return touchdown by Bilal Nichols. Patrick Mahomes tried some trickery, weird quarterback, running back, trick play exchange in the backfield, turns into a fumble. Raiders score to turn a 7-3 Chiefs lead into a 9-7 Raiders lead. And then immediately after that, the Chiefs get the ball back. Patrick Mahomes makes a poor decision. Jack Jones, former New England Patriot, goes 33 yards for the pick six. 17-7. And yes, the Chiefs had a couple opportunities at the end. They drive down into scoring range. They get a turnover on downs. They score a touchdown at the at the death there in the last three minutes. They had their chances, but basically the Raiders able to hang on, take advantage of another sloppy Chiefs performance. Chiefs had 308 yards. And even in a win... Even managing to score 20 points, the Las Vegas Raiders finished with just 205 yards of offense. Not what you would call a, a pretty game of football, but a hell of an entertaining one when this Raiders team that was left for dead a couple months ago manages to get a win like this. And it raises an interesting conversation about interim head coach Antonio Pierce who is hearing loud, loud calls to become the Raiders' full-time head coach since he took over. Like I said, they lose on the road at Detroit on Monday night. It's about as hopeless as a team can look, just completely lifeless. Josh McDaniels is fired shortly thereafter. And in the time since, Tonio Pierce now sitting on a 4-3 and three record. They've won, they've won four, and even in the three losses, 
all of those looking very, very competitively. They pushed the Chiefs in a loss earlier this season. They played Miami really tough. Obviously, the infamous 3-0 loss to the Minnesota Vikings, a much more competitive team at 7-8. and And I'm sure Raiders fans are sitting there saying, first of all, they technically still have an outside shot at the division title. I wouldn't say the math is in their favor, but they are not mathematically eliminated. But like I said, you sit there and you think, man, if we have a couple other games go our way earlier this season, whether it's the last second loss to the Steelers, whether it's a very close loss to the LA Chargers, maybe you're talking about this Raiders team sneaking into the playoffs. I digress. It's an interesting conversation because the Raiders were just here in this position a couple years ago. Rich Bisaccia, the special teams coordinator, took over for John Gruden, led them to the postseason where they wind up losing to the Joe Burrow Bengals. A lot of people calling for the interim guy to get the full-time job. The Raiders say, no, we're going to roll with Josh McDaniels. We're going to instill the Patriot way. Man, if that didn't blow up in their face. And here they are again. I'm interested to see... If they do you want to call it learning their lesson or do, or do they lean into what their locker room wants? Clearly, this Raiders team responds to Antonio Pierce, high energy guy, players coach. I lean toward thinking Mark Davis probably won't play this the same way twice. You had a chance to do this a couple years ago. Maybe it works out for the better. Maybe you're not in a situation where you just fired your head coach and your GM. Yeah, I would I would guess Mark Davis tries this a different way and and installs Antonio Pierce as the Raiders full-time head coach when the season's over. The way they've played since he took over, I think it's hard to argue against it. I won't be surprised if that happens. Let's not bury the lead, though. No offense to the Raiders. The story here is the Kansas City Chiefs continuing to look as mortal as they've ever looked since they put old number 15 in the starting lineup you realize this is the third time in the last four weeks the New England, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs have failed to score more than 20 points. They did get 27 against the New England Patriots. Good for you, I guess. It's been tough sledding ever since that six-game win streak, which feels like a lifetime ago. It's been gross for the Chiefs. They are now 12th in the league in scoring offense. They're averaging just about 22 points a game, regularly failing to get above 2021 points also failing to stack wins they had another opportunity to get a second consecutive win it hasn't happened since october 22nd when they beat the la chargers win loss win loss loss win loss and now firmly looking like they're going to be the number three seed in the afc playoffs eliminated from the conversation for the number one overall seed not where you expect to be if you're the Chiefs. It's sure as hell looking like they'll have to go on the road at least one time in the playoffs. I think I'm just at the point where I'm not sure what the Kansas City Chiefs do well. I'm still incredibly confident Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. His touchdown at the end of the game reminded me of that. He escapes a near certain sack, buys himself time fires across his body like they tell you not to do and finds Justin Watson for a touchdown that keeps them alive. He's still that guy. He can still do all of that stuff, even in a down year by his standards, by the way, like a down year for Patrick Mahomes is still among the top quarterbacks in the NFL. You take that guy. 
outside of that, what what exactly do the Chiefs have? We know they're still on the hunt for any sort of receiving performance that they can trust. And I think at this point, I would throw Travis Kelsey into that mix. I'm confident he is getting all of the focus in the world. I know defenses are game planning the hell out of him because they know the Chiefs can't trust any of their other receivers. But a Hall of Fame player that you know you have to lean on, you start to say one touchdown in his last eight games hasn't been able to be a difference maker for an offense that could sorely use it. Travis Kelsey with five catches for 44 yards. Sure as hell looked frustrated, slamming his helmet on the sideline in the, in the late going of this game, knowing how bad things looked for the Chiefs offense. The passing game's not there. The running game is, is stop-start at best. And you can point to the defense. I mean, yes, the Raiders offensively, did not do a whole lot. They had a, a field goal drive in the first quarter of the game, another field goal drive in the third quarter. The rest of it was defensive scores. Aiden O'Connell actually didn't complete a pass after the first quarter. But you still look at it and say, yeah, well, this Chiefs defense that is a strength gave up 145 rushing yards to Zamir White. Josh Jacobs didn't even play in this game. Raiders averaged five and a half yards per carry without a semblance of a passing game. So even with the Chiefs defense being the revelation that it's been this year and they haven't had a good season, this isn't a unit clearly that can carry you until your offense figures it out or else that would have been more the case. The Raiders bled this clock down, which against the top tier unit you would think isn't going to happen. The only thing keeping me on any kind of Chiefs bandwagon is just that I know what they've done. I know what that quarterback is capable of. I know that Andy Reid's a hell of a head coach. I know weird stuff happens in the playoffs, and if the ball bounces your way a couple of times, all of a sudden you're in right back in the AFC Championship game. They've earned the respect of me not writing them off. But they haven't done anything on the field that backs that up in six weeks. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm look, I'm looking at the schedule right now. I have to go back to, I think you have to go back to their game against the Chargers for the last time they truly looked like the team that we remember. Even their game against Miami, if you go all the way back to that Germany game on November 5th, they won. It was anything but a pretty win. So yeah, I think you're going all the way back before Halloween for the last time the Chiefs looked like the Chiefs. And we're going to do them the respect of saying they still have time to figure it out. But I sure would like to see that backed up on the field to truly believe it. So that, I mean, that that's where they are. Fortunately for them, it is really fitting. Bengals and finishing with the Chargers is as good as you could expect. Plenty of time to make sure you lock up your playoff spot. I would guess they're going to finish with the three seed in the AFC, but They've made it look a hell of a lot more difficult than it needed to be. Lose to the Raiders, loss against the Packers, looming large, not even looking that good in, in games like the win against New England. Chiefs Kingdom woke up Christmas morning and found a big lump of coal in their stocking. It's just another reminder. Yeah, they're the Chiefs. We'll, we'll leave them some wiggle room, I guess. But another reminder that this just isn't a very good team right now. And if they manage to turn this around, it'll be maybe the most impressive thing they've done to this point in their impressive run. All right, we are officially done with the Christmas week games. 
So it's time to roll on into the New Year's Eve games, right? Can we can we get the major holidays off of the NFL game days? That would be really wonderful for yours truly and all of us here at the NFL on Fox podcast. But as we roll into New Year's Eve, one last thing to do before we focus on week 17, that is obviously the power rankings. Let's take another look at how things stand heading into the final two games of the season. I'm going to keep the trend going. Looking at teams that are that are firmly, we'll call it at least mathematically, in the playoff mix. And I'm going to start with a team at number 19 that's up three spots from last week. The Chicago Bears quietly having a renaissance. And I will say it's it's a little late to be truly in the mix for an NFL playoff spot. But I just want to shout out a team that's won three of the last four and four of the last six. And funnily enough, if not for a handful of late game meltdowns, we could be talking about the Chicago Bears very much as a wild card team. Think about how they let it slip against Denver, against Detroit the first time and last week's fourth quarter meltdown against the Cleveland Browns. We could be talking about a nine and six Bears team in a slightly different universe. Alas, that is not our universe. The Bears probably will say it very likely on the outside looking in at the playoffs, but they're in such a good spot compared to where they were in the first half of the season. I don't know what it means for anybody's future there in Chicago, but it felt worth mentioning. Up next, team that I jumped eight spots up to number 16, the Atlanta Falcons. So maybe a week late, guys, mathematically staying alive with a 29 to 10 pulverizing of the Indianapolis Colts. Would have liked to see this type of effort against the Carolina Panthers the week before, but they started Taylor Heineke. They got the jolt they needed. No turnovers. I think that's probably the crucial element to this whole thing. But the Falcons at least have a, a puncher's chance at keeping this alive. They actually go to play. The last team, the Chicago Bears this week, they finish up with the Saints still in play in the NFC South. But man, you would have liked to see this a week earlier, but it's a performance worth noting to beat the hell out of a playoff contender like the Colts. A very convincing win. All right. Sticking in that division, I'm not going to shut up about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to jump four spots up from last week into the top 10. That's what happens when you win four games in a row. It's what happens when Baker Mayfield has thrown for a thousand yards in the last month, 10 touchdowns, one interception, just playing wonderfully efficient football. I like this Bucks team. They beat the hell out of the Jags who are on top of the AFC South. If they take care of the Saints this coming week, you got to like their odds as NFC South champs getting to host a playoff game. And the way this season has gone, how can you rule them out at least having a shot at the divisional round. And remember, remember what people said about the Bucks before the season started. This was supposed to be a brutal, brutal year where they paid for going all in during the Tom Brady era. And that's just really not the case. The Buccaneers looking like a likely playoff team. I'm happy for them. What can I say? Up at number five. Yeah, jumping all the way to number five, up two spots. The Cleveland Browns. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about those Cleveland Browns and look beating up on the, on the no CJ Stroud, Houston Texans. I don't blame you. If you're not impressed, it's not so much about what they did Sunday, but what they've managed to do in incredibly adverse circumstances 
all year long, four different quarterbacks. They call in Joe Flacco off the street. They're playing Dorian Thompson Robinson. PJ Walker's got a hand in this thing. Deshaun Watson hasn't been a regular part of this story in almost two months at this point, and the Browns are still 10 and five. They're going to be favored in both of their last two games. They could go 12 and five despite all that turmoil, despite all the injuries that they've faced. By the way, I saw this stat floating around on Christmas. Did you happen to notice the Cleveland Browns have beaten both the Ravens and the 49ers this season? Those two fire-breathing monsters we talk so much about. Browns have managed to get wins against both of them. And that was before Joe Flacco showed up and started dropping 300-yard days on people's heads. This is a, a dangerous team. That combination of the defense and what Flacco brings to the offense, Amari Cooper clearly catching fire with Joe Cool under center. Dangerous team. A top five team based on resume, based on what they've done. Looking like a lock to be the number five seed, but they're not mathematically out of being the number one seed in the AFC. That is still at least a slim possibility. I would have never believed that about this team just a few short months ago. I think they are more than deserving of being a top five team. All right, up to number three, another big winner from Christmas weekend. The Miami Dolphins move up a spot. I've I've flip-flopped them with the Buffalo Bills. I can't wait for that week 18 showdown. They just had a better week. The Bills struggle against the coachless Chargers, and the Dolphins get a big, big win against the Dallas Cowboys, and they get a chance to prove themselves even further against the Baltimore Ravens. Miami firmly in the three spot. The defense is coming on. We know what the offense can do. I feel good about that. And yeah, let's cap it off with the new number one team up one spot. Of course, there's only one place to go when you take down the top dog, the Baltimore Ravens on top of the AFC, on top of the NFL power rankings. And it's Miami Baltimore this coming weekend. Maybe the Dolphins can make a play for the number one spot in the power rankings. Maybe the Ravens can continue to assert their dominance. But you go on the road, cross country, Christmas night, you pick off Brock Purdy four times. Lamar Jackson plays clean, efficient football. The Ravens roll over a team that yours truly, I, me, I said I didn't know how somebody was going to beat them. The Ravens made it look pretty easy. So, of course, they are our top team heading into Week 17. We are so close to the playoffs. And just like that, we are through another week. We are on to Week 17. Just two games left to play in this zany regular season. I hope you all had hap the happiest holidays. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas. If you're listening to this while you're traveling home, I hope your your flight's not delayed. I hope your travels are going smoothly and safely. Hope you got to spend so much time with, with the ones you care about. Two weeks left, y'all. I don't know how we got to this point, but it's been a fun ride. Plenty of twists and turns left coming your way. We will have all of them covered here on the NFL on Fox podcast. If you don't already, please go subscribe on Spotify. Please find us on Apple Podcasts. Go find the YouTube channel. You know the whole spiel. Wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you find your NFL news, we will be there. We will take you through the last two weeks of this regular season with the playoffs on deck. I'm so excited. I appreciate y'all, and I'll talk to you soon.